Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hello and welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. My name is Ian, I'll be your dive master and podcast host for this episode. With me is... Hello, my name is Gemma and welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. Yes, uh, so welcome. Uh, really special uh, episode for us. Uh, for you today uh, we are at deep but wait let me just interrupt myself by telling you this episode like all our others are sponsored by the lovely people over at narc.90.com beyond technical we are going to be telling you all about these exciting research labs and campus over at deep.com Yes, and our host is going to be Phil Short today. Yeah, well-known diver. Many of you, many of you um, who follow anyone in the diving world and social media, all that, will have heard and probably have heard many of uh, Phil's talks yeah. uh, that he's given um, at different shows and things like that. And uh, Phil Short is a very respected. Uh, technical diver yeah i think he's got over six thousand dives to his name and his position at deep is a research diving training lead yeah and uh, he's talked to us um in previous episodes and we spoke to him recently on episode 170 yes find the magic in every dive did you know that <laughs> yeah while we were there we bumped into another previous guest kirk crock yeah uh who we spoke to very recently now Kirk, uh, again, um, you may have heard, uh, and he's a big free diver. He also uh, runs his own business as a performance free diving. And uh, Kirk is employed at Deep as the human performance lead, uh, one of the world's leading free divers and free dive instructors and consultants. Credits include Avatar, Way of the Water, um, Suicide Squad, and Black Panther. Uh, has worked with some of the best directors and top directors in the world yep, in, that's in Hollywood and famously <laughs> if you haven't listened to the podcast uh, so far why not should have done uh, episode uh, 171 we spoke to us he was telling us he shared about how he helped Kate Winslet mm. go from holding like just minimal seconds underwater to seven minutes that's just amazing isn't it uh, yeah yeah imagine hold, holding your breath for seven minutes yeah, what, what, no 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 uh, we've got time for that <laughs> um and we're also going to be meeting christopher griffiths he is the director of deep labs so he'll be over on the uh, campus site so we'll meet him a bit later in the day for a tour around there yeah um just for those divers um you know we know there's lots of social media but just talk about a bit of the history uh, so the deep campus is based on the old NDAC site, okay? That's gone. That's the past. We're very much talking about the future, and the, the which is most important, okay? And uh, that lake, as you all know, uh, that's going to be used as research and development for ocean research in the, in the future, which brings us all about why we went. <laughs> And also, uh, you know, it's about why we're really interested and why you guys who listen to this should be following deep as well, because this is going to be the uh, the company, the institute to be following for years to come. Yeah, it's going to be groundbreaking and, you know, an exploration of the underwater world and 
our existence on the planet to yeah. be honest so it's early yeah. days we've got we you know we've caught them in this early part of the whole setup process yeah. you know there's a way to go as yet but hey let's leave it to phil to introduce us hello and welcome to the big scuba podcast but today we are doing something different we are going to be doing a roving report at deep deep.com and here Gemma. Hello. <laughs> and also Phil Shaw. Hi. Phil, tell us about what you know what Deep is and what your role is and a little bit about you. No problem. So basically Deep Research Labs Limited is an organization set up to um, enforce protection, research and education of the oceans. Prime means by which we're doing that is to generate underwater subsea habitats that scientists can live in for weeks at a time to study the oceans, to learn about them, to look at ways we can conserve and look after them. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is have a tour of the facilities. At the moment we're here in Portside, which is our laboratory, our manufacturing facility. So we're going to send the guys through a look at all our test facilities, um, our wave tank, our dive test tank, um, our pressure pot, our submarines. So we'll let them have a look through the submersibles and see how they work because they happen to be in workshop today for some servicing. Yeah our additive manufacturing system whereby we can print in metal and then after lunch we're going to take them over to what you guys will know as the former NDAC mm -hmm. which is now our campus or our research lake and we'll give them a guided tour down onto the water side to the subs island where their gantry crane launched into the water for sub pilot training answer any questions they've got give them a sit in the subs and hopefully give them a thoroughly excellent educational day Right. Brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Right, Excellent. let's go then. Bye. Our first port of call, Phil has taken us over to a 3D model of the campus. So we can see how the layout of the waterside um, is looking or will look with uh, yes, building. a great big in. table with all these uh, 3D layouts of bits and bobs and where the building's all going to go. It was like being in a ship with like the command thing. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And, uh, you know, you could visualise how it's all going to go. Mm, yeah. And then we've wandered over to the 3D printers as yeah. well. WAMs. So they're called WAMs. Um, we, one was in action, this laser printing on metal, and they're going to be used to make the actual modules when it comes you to... You can literally make anything out of these printers. It's really hard to get your head yeah, down, Yeah, they're not it? your everyday <laughs> printer by HP that you might have on your desk. These are a great big type... If you're a nerd and you're into technical stuff... No, you can't stuff, see people are nerds. Well, you, are, you know, people are, you know, and they are, and, and people get excited by machinery and lathes and stuff, and these people, these machines are whirring away, and they, you can build all sorts of things yes. out of metal. Yeah, so they were in these, like, big, big boxes, cabinets, yeah. like cabinets, good couple of metres, three metres high, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, all in action. And, we, and had... this, we, we were in this great big warehouse, aren't we? And um, uh, the you'll hear from our on-site uh, talks that, you know, there's great, there's a big warehouse, there's lots going on, and a lot of the things are all in these pods that can be, all, that can be mm. transported. So when the campus is ready, the th they will be moved and transported to the campus. So like everything's all in one place. shipping containers, that's yeah. how we'll explain it. Very good, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, and so we've done the uh, WAMs, and Phil is now going to take us on a tour of the Sentinel, which is the underwater habitat. And it's actually a mock-up life-size made out of wood. It is, yeah. And you can get to see and be in it and see where it's all, how things are all going to be laid out. Yeah, so we're going to take you inside. Here we go. Phil's going to give us a tour. So now back to Phil. So this, this stairwell and door wouldn't exist. It's just an easy way to take us into a simulator. So we'll go segment by segment. Um, as I said, these stairs, just come inside. They're, they're not there, so we've got this little door to cover it up to make it a little bit more rustic. Um, these circles are the actual size of the view, viewports. Um, viewports are curved, um, so basically the amount of light in here, even something like on the Cayman wall, places in the Caribbean like that, 150, 160 metres, you've still got ambient light. So you imagine like going to bed at night, laying in your bunk and looking up through that to the blue above you is going to be pretty amazing. So and this that is was... going to be like a dome over, is Yeah, it? this yeah. is the only end that's not roofed. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is this where I'm standing is the moon pool. So in the functional sentinel, this is the way in and out of the water. Okay. Um, the way in and out of the water will be a diver lift, very similar to on the back of a South Coast boat. A bit posher, a lot more features to it. But in essence, a lift cage, two divers can stand inside it. ROV in front of them, the whole lot lowers down. Um, the tethering or umbilical goes down with them. There'll be lead-ins on top of it to stop any entanglement. Off they go for their dive. So they'll always be attached to the habitat? Yeah, so yeah. basically, um, without turning this into a let's teach people how to commercial dive, deep water commercial diving uses surface supply yeah. via a system called Reclaim. So it's not a rebreather, but it does the same job. And the reason they Reclaim is helium so expensive. So on the rigs, the gas is on the surface, goes down a massive umbilical to the closed bell. From the bell it goes on smaller umbilicals out to the divers. Yeah. It goes into the helmet, they breathe it, comes out of the helmet, goes back down another hose to the bell. Right. From the bell up to surface, CO2 scrubbed, oxygen's replenished, goes back down to the bell in a circuit. So effectively it is a rebreather of sorts. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're submarine? No. No, no, it's basically the same as a rebreather. Okay. Yep. Um, submarine's just a, 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 an atmospheric environment with CO2 scrubber and a leaky valve to replenish the oxygen at atmospheric. Okay. Now, that reclaim works on the principle that if you're at 100 metres, that gas is going to go back to the surface by Boyle's law. It's just going to float up. So reclaim has always been notoriously unreliable in shallower water. So a 50 metre sat, a 20 metre sat, really hard to make reclaim work. 100 metres, 150, 200 beyond, very, very easy. The object of Sentinel is to be completely self-contained, so we can't use Reclaim because we don't, will not have a hose to the surface. Okay. If you were to do a 21-day dive cycle from a Sentinel with open circuit, i.e. blowing the gas out and letting it float away, your supply of helium would be bigger than the Sentinel, and the cost for a single mission would be prohibitive by any standard. So, the logic is, what you'll do is you'll dive from here on a rebreather as we know them. None of the ones you know because they're not rated deep enough, but of that style, electronic, closed circuit, mixed yep. gas rebreather, rated to the performance depth of the Sentinel. That will be your primary. You'll also then have a surface supply hose, but the name for it is a habitat supply hose because it will come from an onboard bank of appropriate gas on okay. the Sentinel to the diver He'll go out, do his three-hour, four-hour dive on the rebreather, 
in the unlikely event a rebreather fails, it just switches to that hose, comes straight back. So we use a minimal amount of gas to get back yeah. on hose supplied open circuit. So we've effectively flicked it round. In the North Sea now, they dive reclaimed surface supply with a semi-closed rebreather as the bailout just to get back to the bell in emergency. We're flipping it round so the rebreather becomes the primary, the hose becomes the backup. Yeah. And what about like communications? Are they, is that all through all the comms? Um... Yeah, full comms. So yeah. basically mouth open in the helmet. And that's via so the umbilical back yeah, to here. Back to yeah. here. So yeah. that umbilical will have multiple strands. It'll have electricity for heated suits. Yeah. It'll have wire for video for the helmet camera. Wire for comms for audible communications. Wire for light power to the hat mounted lights. Yeah. Um, and then basically the gas supply for the bailout and telemetry from the rebreather, so the supervisor in the supervisor shack there will actually get the diver's rebreather display on screen. So um, they're on how much like Caribbean organs or something? No, we're building them. Yeah. So basically these are scientific divers. We don't want them in a 17 kilo Kirby. With a, if you've ever dived a Kirby, the field of vision is awful. So you've got a flat sheet of glass about that big with a big oro nasal. You think it's big, you think, wow, it must look great. It's awful, it's like looking through a tube. Mm. Yeah, and it's very heavy. Um, you do like a three hour shift in a Kirby, you know, 37 or 27 or something, fiber or stainless, either way. If, it, if it's fiber, it needs the weight to sink it. If it's stainless, you lose some of the weight, but it weighs the same. But mm. the neck ache is horrendous and you certainly can't get flat and horizontal and swim along. So the other method of diving commercially, more common for scientific diving, police diving, civils diving, it's called a band mask, where you've got that same visual field, oronasal and controls, but actually built into a neoprene hood okay. with a zip and a spider of straps that hold it on. It's called a band mask. And in inshore diving, that's... Full face masks. Yeah, it's yeah. normally used um, as the um, helmet for the standby diver because it's so fast to put on. Right. It's pre-rigged, all the straps are in place bar one. You just go boom, zip, plug, jump, and go out and assist the diver with a problem. The diver's wearing the hard hat in case things get dropped on his head because he's a working diver. Yeah. We don't need either. So we're looking at basically big field of vision, nice and bright, you know, it's the cliche, think back to Abbott's, a big clear mask where you, you can see them, they can see you, you can see everything. Mm. Um, but lightweight, not helmet based, because people that are going to use this are not hammer swinging commercial divers, they're scientists going out there for yeah. some form of science. Yeah. Um, and of course, as with the habitat, nothing we need exists, so we're building it in-house. Um, right from day one, I was talking to Mark about this when he first arrived, before a pen touch paper for the design of Sentinel, we bought DNV in from Germany, who will class it. And basically, we're like, right, we're thinking of this. That's ridiculous, right? What about this? That's good. Can proceed. Bring them back in. So from day one, the people that will class or certify it, two main choices in the world are Lloyd's or DNV. We've brought in DNV. So they're helping us design it to standards that will enable it to pass full DNV classing as a manned habitat. Um, and the same with any equipment we build to enable people to dive from it. Because obviously... Anything you, like this exists in the military? So, so it's a complicated answer, but where the concept of saturation diving came from was US Navy trials on how to physiologically saturate a diver yeah. from way back in the 60s with a thing called Sea Lab. 
and they basically put something like this but much smaller on seabed to leave divers there long enough that they'd saturate to then work out how to decompress them. To do the use maybe tables. That's right. right. What they realised by doing it was there was no need to leave them down there. You could lower them under pressure, bring them back under pressure and they could live on the surface in a pressurised habitat. Yeah. So the seabed habitats fell out of favour. We're kind of turning it back on its head and going back to that because it's different user. Let's um, carry on round so you can see all of it. So, casualty rails throughout. These are Harkin, if any of you have sails. They're IMCA rated for commercial diving, so six-point casualty lift. So you can bring a casualty out of the moon pool and then take them straight through to the evacuation points, all pre-built in. Supervisor shack here. So this will be instrumentation and screens. Each diver out their equivalent of the shearwater, if you like, will be on screen as well because of telemetry from the rebreather. Um, that will also transmit to the forward operating base, the shore base for Sentinel. Yeah. So you've got lots of levels How of... How far would a diver be able to... 100 metres. Yeah. 100 metres at the moment is the, is the first because what we did, we chose to set up deep In and... Any direction? Oh yeah, yeah, any direction from it. So you go out that hole, you can go where you like. You can go to the back, to the front, to the left, to the right, whatever. How many divers? Six. Uh, six on board, two out. So you've got two out, one dressed as standby, one supervisor. Those numbers work. So the only time there'd ever be three out is one was out to rescue the other two. But that would be unlikely because one of, we're working towards other means of diver rescue. So for a group of researchers mm -hmm. scientists... Four researchers, two crew. They could basically do one area... Mm -hmm. And spending like a week or two covering exactly. that hundred meter section yep. and measure it all out, yep. and then move the move it along. The main reason for the hundred is like example, what what might you want to study? So one of the sites we've looked at as the first sea deployment is for studying a Posidonia beds. Yeah. You can't land something this big on the Posidonia bed because you've just destroyed what you're trying to study and protect. Right. So you park this on flat sand near it, yeah. and then you need the dive range to get to the study site. Yeah. So you'd position this very carefully to allow access straight to the study site. So realistically, you'd go, right, study site's there, we'll park Sentinel there. So for that month-long project, virtually all the dives will be to the same place because it's what they want it for. But if you were lucky enough to find a patch of sand big enough for this in the middle of a surrounding reef with what mm. you're trying to study, then yes, you could dive any direction. It is, yeah, yeah. But bear in mind, it's not umbilical. This is a simulation <coughs> of the size of a normal Kirby Morgan umbilical, um, just for, for some of our trials we've done here. But 100 metres is outside the building. Mm. Yeah, so we did that when we did it. Yeah. So you, 100 metres of umbilical is normal. It, it's perfectly manageable, as long as there's no current, because the current picks the umbilical and pulls the diver. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of managing. But don't forget, diver beyond rebreather, so that behind you is an actual DP1 umbilical. See how much smaller it is? Wow, yeah. So again, we, we're not going to use DP1. It's nowhere near depth rated enough, but we're looking at designing a smaller umbilical to serve the fact that it's only going to be used for bailout, never prime. Mm. Um, but again, would be classed, CE'd, whichever version we choose to go what for. What is the maximum depth you could go to with this? With 200 metres. 200 metres. Yeah. Yeah. How far off the... Seabed, does it sit? Can you about change four meters. that? So basically, water level in the moon pool down to seabed is about four meters. Yeah. What isn't here, because you think this is big, what isn't here is the sand. Yeah. So, stand goes in first, sentinel is then lowered down on the control, okay. parked on the stand, 
Sentinel can then be moved elsewhere. Um, current principle is that the stand will be removed, put to the next site, but the stand, the legs, are being built out of material that encourages coral and marine growth. So if a country where it's placed agreed and wanted it, the leg could be environmentally safely left behind because mm -hmm. it would become an artificial yeah. reef. So we've got that option, yeah. um, which, is, which is good. Carry on through, because the reason there's a <laughs> shower room and toilet here, yeah, is this bulkhead is not a pressure seal, but it's an ECU seal, Environmental Control Unit. Problem with habitats over history, um, I've worked in Aquarius in Florida, which is the only existing working habitat at the moment, is they're 100% humidity and very damp, and infection is a big issue. Mm. What we're going to do with Sentinel is that this bulkhead will be an um, environmental seal, not a pressure seal. So it'll be the same pressure either side, but during dive ops, the moon pool will be open. This whole area will be 100% humidity, heavily affected by the temperature of the sea, so pretty unpleasant. Mm. Dive ops finish, take a shower to clean yourself off, get the salt off, transfer through into this end, doors shut, and then the ECUs kick in with the closed moon pool and dry this end out. So six hour dive cycle, about three hours later, this end will be dry, then you can come and go doing science, cleaning gear, prepping the gear for the next day. Um, not defined as yet, but much more comfortable than 100% as you get in Aquarius. Big problem with air is between the toes, between the fingers, crutch, foot, ear infections. Mm. Big problem, really common with SAP. Um, so probably not, at, not surface atmospheric, but certainly much more manageable from that point of view. Um, plant room, so basically the, big, the boxes just to simulate various bits and pieces that might be needed in here. Um, viewports everywhere, that is just a stairwell for safety, that would be a viewport, none of these stairs in and out, it will exist of course on a real thing, like so. And then in the plant room there is a roof hatch, I'll explain what that's for in a minute, I just wanted you to see where it is, okay? okay. But it's kind of connected to the fact that these res rescue um, traverse lines come right the way through the entire habitat um, and would actually zigzag round to here. These things uh, were, are on loan to us from Harkin to try them. We we're going to basically run with them uh, for the standard. To give you an idea what these are used for, you know the gherkin in London? Yes. Yeah. These are on all the stripes you see between the glass panels are these. Oh. So they can clean it without scaffolding. Um, they come from yachting, but Harkin also have a commercial division, and that's what these are. So they've got a so massive weight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. presume that's so you can lock on from outside, is it? No. No, you'll see when we go upstairs, because that's not the outside. Uh, this thing's huge. We're only downstairs at the moment. Galley here. Um, the cooking method, we've got a, um, a Michelin-starred chef in the company, believe it or not, because we own a, ho <laughs> we own a hotel as well, but he's also dealing with nutritional, calorific food design for a 21-day deployment of civilised human beings, not, not commercial divers. So the food method that seems to be coming up trumps is sous vide. It's basically the high-quality food is pre-bagged and then goes in the sous vide, which effectively warms it up. And it's absolutely so it went like in a it's posh boil in a bag, but it's like one of the most state-of-the-art chefing methods. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's really right, really really up there cooking technology. But and basically, it's it means you can well. go super hygienic, mm. super high-quality, very healthy food, yeah. but easy prep um, with what you can have in a SAT system. Okay, and storage, I suppose, exactly. as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, table and chairs there, etc. Water dispenser, etc. etc. Um, this panel lifts up and there's stairs underneath it. You see there's a hatch in the floor here. 
This is the Grand Hall. So think Jules Verne, um, Captain Nemo in, in the Nautilus, oh, yeah. looking out with his, with his organ, playing uh, music. This is the Grand Viewing Hall. Where so at the end of your... End of your working day, you can just come and sit in here, chill out, write up your paper, etc. And it's just all windows. But both ends are identical. So under that hatch is an absolutely identical moon pool without the diver lift. So if you're ever out diving, come back, that one's blocked for some reason, like the lift collapsed mm -hmm. or failed or blah, blah, blah. Um, you can come in this end. If you're here in the evening and there's a fire in the middle, you can go out this end. On seabed, there'll be a small habitat called a refuge plus two additional means of escape, which I'll show you in a moment. But that's why you've got under storage, but direct to a ladder-served alternative moon pool. The moon pool hatch is the same size. The access hatch is smaller because it's just an emergency exit. Meaning fabrication-wise, the ends are the same. If you've noticed, basically as we walk through, these middle sections are segments. So mm. what you've actually got here is three big rings and two domes. Mm. In the future, you could have four rings, five rings, six rings. No. No dome on that end, one of these vertical stuck on the end. Think like those modular hamster cages. Yeah. Yeah. This is just the beginning. So if you go on the website and look at three of them together, six of them together, that's so what this is aiming at. Together, what do they expect the weight to do? Oh, these things, are, I mean, I don't know exactly, so I'm not going to guess a number, but, a, you know, yeah. hundreds of tons, the whole thing. But, like, like anything, how heavy is your gear on land? How heavy is it since you get in Bobster? It's like on, on bottom, our biggest problem is sinking the damn thing. Because yeah. I forget, this is full of air. Yeah, okay. yeah and right. transportation, obviously, on a ship. Have, have you got In pieces. Yeah. So that's the point. It comes like a Bacano kit, right. three rings. The rings come with nothing in them. They've got rails. Everything in here has to be able to get through that moon pool. And when it comes in, it slides onto the rails in the rings. They're called cassettes. So the actual construction, putting the pods together, mm -hmm. is done on... On the surface on the pontoon, right, okay. probably shore-based, and tow it out and, yep. and submerge it. Um, moving on, we've got various storage areas. That will be the medroom, so high-tech med equipment, etc. Primary control panel. Come along down and get to the bedrooms. So if you've ever seen pictures of the inside of Aquarius, it's grim. It's a six-bunk, three-high, like submarines. You know, you're bunked in here. You've got individual bunk rooms. This is a scientist or a crew bunk room. You've got fold-down table, so you've got personal space. You've got uh, iPad equivalent of TV. Obviously, we're designing all of this because it's got to be SAT capable. It's got to be helium-proof for those type of depths. All feasible technology. Someone's just got to get around to doing it. And there's your window. Amazing. You lie in bed and watch the fish. Room with a view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting, the section we're in now, this polystyrene, um, isn't about budget. This is actually um, from AutoCAD a moulding of the design. So a lot of the other things you've seen are replicated with um, thin sheet wood. Mm -hmm. This is actually as it would be. So this is the shape, the windows and everything. So, so it has a good degree of insulation, I imagine? Uh, it won't be polystyrene. It's only polystyrene for weight for this mock-up. No, but presumably you must have insulation. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, yeah, yeah. On the outside, so on yeah. the outside. Yeah, right. so, so not 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 on the, the pressure hole. Bear in mind, this is is designed to be capable of holding the pressure both ways. These ones are not more luxurious. They're bigger, but that's because this one and the opposite one are the Habitat Commander and the Habitat 2IC, and all this extra space is emergency equipment. In each of these, there'll be a full ECU control panel for the entire habitat surface comms so basically the crew the real astronauts have got more in here 
for functionality, not for luxury. Right. Yeah. Could okay. you charge out for like, you know these um, people who spend a lot of money on doing these extreme tours? Absolutely, absolutely. So could yeah. you do Very much so. You, yeah. do the you think what this? they're paying to get like slingshotted for space yeah. for 30 seconds in Branson's thing? Absolutely, it's very much, because you know, if, you, if you were to do that, four tours a year in one that was placed for that purpose, that generates the funding to give it to scientific institutions yeah. who can't afford it. So you basically work out ways of funding it so you can donate it to the people that are going to do real oceanographic real science. Real good work, yeah. Because yeah. they haven't got the money to do it. Well, so finding that balance. Exactly. Sean, who you just met, that's his job. Right. That is his job, um, and he's been worldwide to the appropriate people, people like you know the people who go to space yeah. or the bottom yeah. of the ocean, um, to basically you know, put the feeler out for interest, and there's a lot of interest. Yeah. Last room down the end, main bathroom at this end, so you can see it's uh, considering it, you're in a habitat. It's pretty luxurious. I think it's bigger than my bathroom actually. Mm. And then we come come to the end of the dome. What would happen here is just like the other end, the dome would come down from here joining that and in the top of this dome just like that other end is another aperture up about where my hand is there'll be a mezzanine deck across here you'll go through this area up onto that mezzanine deck up from that straight into the primary means of getting to and from this in a, on a normal day where everything's perfect mm -hmm. so you're not going to be like cramped in a ball and bought down and in like that you're going to basically you're going to, go, you're going to fly to work in comfort dock onto the roof, get out, walk down the stairs, you're in for your 28 days. It stays there. It's yeah. The people that obviously come down in this submersible, are they brought down to pressure up there? Could be either. Right. Technology of this means it could be either way. Mm -hmm. So you could bring the whole crew down not under pressure and pressurise here. Yeah. Or you could bring someone down in the middle of a deployment pressurized on surface and they can just come straight into here. And get to the, work. The, yeah. the options of the design mean any version of, of that could be achieved. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that would be very, very useful for effectively, uh, you know, let's look at someone's down here for 21 days has an appendicitis. Mm. Yeah. You can get them out to surface and somewhere, you know, somewhere like the um, uh, NHC up in Aberdeen, you could do that in chamber. Um, so you've, you've got the capability of taking someone out under pressure, depressurizing it down here, depressurizing it on the surface. The means of transporting them will be able to depressurize as well. Lots of different options. Mm. Um, so there we go. So that's Sentinel. So that was Phil just giving us the guided tour around the Sentinel. And uh, for next, we move on. We're going to go and walk by the pressure pot and then head up to the wave machine. Yeah. Who's looked at, who's seen the film The Dam Busters? So imagine this great big long uh, tank with a free-flowing water it goes, which they can change at different speeds and they uh, computerise 3D print boats and all sorts propellers, of crafts, yeah. different yeah, propellers and they can play with different uh, designs mm -hmm. to see um, you know, which ones work best in different speeds, different currents and they can do all these whizzy stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's, let's Let, get to it. Let's get there. What he's got in there is a pressure pot and a, gas, and a spectrometer. So he takes objects, he puts them in a pressure pot, 200 meters, leaves them for a month, and monitors the gases that are being let off out of them by that process to see okay. if it's safe for them to be used in the habitat. 
So that's his job. Everything we think we might want to put in a habitat, like bedding, towels, yeah. everything, yeah. gets pressurised to 200 metres, left there oh, to see what happens. Exactly. Pressure, so that bloody expensive yeah. box there is a spectrometer. So, like paracetamol. Exactly. Don't know everything. It's got to be tested. Yeah. Everything. So obviously, we, we also want to know, if we put this thing at 40 metres, a big wave going over is going to affect it. Yeah. So we have to make a scale model of it and test it. We test it here. Oh, the current. It's flown already because it's got propellers under yeah. the floor. So it can do waves with the paddles, but it can also circulate. So the propellers under the floor are pushing it that way and round. Yeah, so it can basically, we can build anything to scale and so that you use a scale model in here of the habitat? Yeah, so, so we'll, be, we'll be doing the scale models of the habitat. We've already 3D printed a little boat that we've tried to sink on several occasions. Uh, yeah, so we can do a variety of things there. So an, an external test as well. So it might not even be scale model. Like for example, we could do propellers, uh, mm. so efficiencies and that. I don't know if there'd be in direct dive applications. I guess like testing parts under, under a variety of places and waves. We did, um, we did write a risk assessment because these guys are so clever they're going to design different types of props for different advantage and the current is because there's two propellers under the floor. So the props are pushing the water up and along and back to the props but they, they want to change those props. Yeah, We've yeah. actually written a risk assessment that we can dive in here, go lift the panel, go under the floor, change the props because <laughs> you basically shut the motors down, put a padlock on the motor so they cannot be turned on, it's standard commercial procedure, change the props so you don't have to drain it. So, I'm just, I'm, well, maybe, I'm, but, I'm just like, praying for the day you let me do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll promise not to turn them on at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, matey. Uh, Appreciate no, that. No, no. Anyway, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll right. rush on because. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. I see why you like to work here. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like it's basically, I've been yeah. I've been in in the well, we call it the industry because I've I've literally spread across all the ACOPs. Started in recreational, went to technical, went to media, went to science, went to commercial. And gradually, at each step, I was actually combining those things. Yeah. So when I was running the body recoveries on the Second World War planes for the science community, I was using commercial techniques to make it more efficient. And that's why I ended up getting headhunted for here. It's like, actually, you've been involved with all of them, yeah. so come in as an SME. But this is at the cutting edge. Yeah. You know, yeah. You've been on snow that's never been walked. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty, pretty amazing. Not many people have jobs like that, do they? No, <laughs> This is Gemma and Ian from the Big Hello, Scuba hi. Podcast. Nice to meet you. This is Adam, hi. he's nice meet you. part of the R&I team, Research and Innovation, as is John and Jason. So they're like, you know, in the Muppet Show, Beaker and Bunsen. <laughs> they're the boffins. <laughs> but they're Great brilliant. job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere at the moment. So I'm building bits of this, doing stuff on the subs, doing some ROV work oh. and some science. Yeah. <laughs> So are you looking to recruit all the time? As you Basically, can... as I said at the beginning, we've got like pretty much everyone here at the moment is like an uber expert in their field and they are therefore a lead. And as we grow and as soon as we start building, we'll need like hundreds more people and they'll, yeah, they'll okay. work under each lead. Yes. So yeah, when the time is right, yeah. We've got a, got a hyperbaric doctor, Mark Glover, who was RMPL's hyperbaric physician. So he's here full time as our medical lead. All our, all our boats for Chepstow are electric. Um, the whole idea is... Um, is a low footprint, so even the big ones, all yeah, all electric, even wow. the big one. So that'll be our dive rib. 
and even the big one is all, all electric because basically um, the idea is to have uh, campus Chepstow as um, you know as zero footprint as possible. Our founder is very very keen on that, so it's cool. It's lunchtime now, so Phil is taking us off for a lunch. Um, we're heading into the staff area, and lunch is provided to the staff on a daily basis and breakfast. They're yeah, really which lucky. Yeah, really cool. Isn't it? Yeah, and they've got a gym. Yeah, which so is really it's smart. an awesome place, and there's no set hours as such because people want to work there. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's they regard their employees, you know. And treat them as adults, and they have that relationship mm. where you know everyone's entrusted to do the job they're brought in to do. Yeah, and the gen, the atmosphere How there. How refreshing is that? Yeah, we know everybody's there because they love their job. They do, and the food was awesome. It was know. really delicious. It wasn't until afterwards I, I was, I was eating something which I thought was something else. <laughs> so we had pork scallops with a lovely sauce, and it was actually gnocchi. Yeah. But it came to light a little later. <laughs> I thought I was eating small potatoes. <laughs> so, but you know what CV is. <laughs> anyway, that was a little joke of the day. It was. Yeah, so we had lunch um, and then we jumped in the company Land Rover, nice black yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah. Like that. And then headed over to Deep Campus, which was about, what do you say, 15, 20 minute journey? Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Go across the bridge Yeah. and uh, into Chepstone. Yeah. So that's where we'll pick up next. Many, many of us divers all know where it is. And we're now going to be meeting Christopher Griffiths. He is the director of Deep Labs, so it covers both sites. Yeah, he's uh, stationed on the campus and uh, managing the development of the site. And um, he is going to be talking to us all about the future developments. Yeah, and a little overview of the campus site. Yeah. Um, and just from my perspective, I'm Chris Griffiths. Um, I'm the director of Deep Labs. Um, Deep Labs is, is, is our, our um, it's a portfolio of estates, um, this being one of them, Portside being the other, um, and anything else that we decide in the future that we're going to sort of embark on in, 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 terms, of, in terms of facility. Firstly, welcome to Deep. It's actually great. It's a great opportunity to have you guys here and sort of, one, show you a little bit of our vision, but secondly, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a, a walk um, down to the water, head down the Hacky Staircase, and, and, and get onto the um, um, onto the the islands that we've we've built down there. In terms of of the facility, we acquired this quarry probably two years ago. It was it was one of our very very early acquisitions, um, and one of the things we did it wasn't just oh this looks like a good one we'll take it we did actually do some research around the globe to try and find something where we could carry out testing we could carry out um, training diving etc and what was good about this place was it's it's a pretty benign um, body of water you know in terms of sea state if you think of testing the, the number of days that would be lost to bad weather um, we, we, we don't really have that as, as, a, as a problem here. Um, so Deep Campus will become um, the, the home of both Deep as an organisation, but also Deep Institute, which is our, our training, our training uh, human performance capability. Um, so we've embarked on two sets of, 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 of planning. We've got some um, temporary planning, 
and you're sitting in some of this at the moment. Um, and, and the other parts of temporary planning, we've got some, um, some single bed accommodation that sort of sits out there on the, on the, on the, on the real southern point of, of, the, um, of the facility. And we've also built a set of stairs that take us um, from the southern uh, pad down onto, onto the water. Um, and those, those have really been our temporary type um, asks of, of the Forest of Dean County Council. Longer term, um, bit of history of the site. Used to be a limestone quarry. Um, I think what I've seen is it's sort of around the very early 90s um, that they ceased quarrying here. Um, I believe the stone that they used was, was taken and, and they used that to build the bridge. Um, previous owner ran it as a, as a dive school, which no doubt everyone is aware of. Um, and like I said, we purchased this two years ago. So it's 50 acres. Um, the actual body of water is somewhere between 600 and 650 metres long, over 100 metres wide. Um, in terms of, of getting a bit of um, perspective, southern pad, northern pad, west and east in terms of compass. Um, shallow end being in the on the northern side, deep end down on the southern side. Uh, a depth ranging to about 80 meters. And when I use, say, a range, and the reasons for that is the water levels rises and falls about six meters a year. So it's got a significant, uh, um, um, you know, change over, 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 a, over a year. Um, understand that it's fed from an aquifer underneath. So it's not, you know, it's not rainwater or anything that fills it up. It's, it's, it's ground, it's ground fed. So, Putting the, um, the, the planning, the, the temporary planning to one side, if we look at what we think campus will be over the next, over the next decade, um, we have asked for planning for a number of, of, of different buildings, and we'll start on top side first. So looking at the eastern side here, um, we're going to build two warehouses. That's going to be Deep's back office, if you like. Um, sort of building A here, we would look to probably around 2,000 square metres of usable space, 1,000 square metre footprint. Um, first floor, we will use that probably for office space as we, as we plan to build out um, um, the wider campus. And the bottom floor, we would then use to, um, to use a bit of a workshop. But we start, you know, we, we begin to migrate our people from Portside here. So we've, we've got everybody here. That includes our engineering teams as well. Second building, we would look to, to use that for things like maintenance, storage. We've got a couple of submarines, which you will have seen the other building. Most of the time, they are where they should be on the water. Um, and we've, we've actually started to, to, to get that spun up now. You know, we're, we, we've had some of our people running through um, some, some trips out in it to get a, to get a bit of a feel, particularly um, our engineers that are, are, are sort of working on, 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 the, on the submarine project, or submersible project. So you obviously came up the A48. The plan will be to put two buildings at the, at the entrance, and that'll be sort of our visitor centre, 
um, reception, have some of our real estate folks based um, at, at, um, at the entrance. You'd come in, you'd swing through to the left, and on this real southern end where we've currently got the accommodation, the temporary accommodation, that would become a car park. So we'd be looking at you know, potentially 150 car parking spaces. All of this will eventually disappear. This southern pad here becomes very much an, an, an open area. Um, and long term, we would want to put a warehouse, or we've certainly got a plan to put a warehouse down there. Um, where that will be sited exactly, that could vary, and the size of it could as well, you know, potentially become smaller. Um, what we've found is this southern, uh, southwestern corner here is brilliant for putting cranes. So we have mobile cranes in. We use them to launch our submarines or to, to at least get them down onto, onto sub-island. We've launched all of our, our pontoons from up here, so it, it, it's an ideal um, operational area for us. Along this, this, um, uh, this eastern ridge, we've also got plans to put some accommodation. If you remember, um, previous owner had, had done exactly the same thing. So what we'd look to do is put half a dozen, potentially half a dozen, two or three bedroom type accommodation. The idea of that is, one, if we have guests, um, two, if we've got sort of staff here for you know, 28 days, it's an ideal place to bring their families down to over a weekend you know, to sort of spend a bit of time with them. Um, as we swing around now onto this, onto this um, uh, western side, there's a whole road that, that runs from the southern pad and takes you down to what we have now built a, a little bit of a, um, a temporary quayside using the pontoons, these 40-ton these pontoons that we've, we've purchased. So that'll, that'll become temporary. Longer term, the idea is we grade that road, we surface it, we run utilities down it, and we have a permanent quayside from which to operate. So that, that's, that's sort of our longer-term our longer vision. If you then sort of come up the high road and, and on, on this western edge, this is where we would build the majority of our single occupancy um, accommodation. Um, anything up to 60 um, small one-bedroom places, self-contained. And the idea there is if we have um, a group of people come to do a training uh, um, week or two weeks, that is where they would, they would reside. They'd, be able to, they'd have somewhere to store their kit, dry their kit, um, showers, communal areas, and that's what we would see in, in what we're calling Camps Alpha, Bravo and Charlie. Coming further up to the northern edge, um, on this northwestern side, we would put our main recreation, uh, sorry, our, our main operational building, and that's going to be classrooms. It's going to be auditoriums, training training rooms, etc., canteen. Um, so I would see a significant number of deep folks there, but I would also see our partners, guests, etc., spend time up there with us. The second um, roof you see here will be for our recreational um, um, building. And that, if you think about the human performance that we're, we're talking about, um, unfortunately our, our human performance director's not around at the moment, uh, but he's got many years of, of, of sort of training high performance teams in the military, um, you know, sort of uh, Marines, etc. So that would have a pool, it would have a gym, yoga studio, etc. And that's where we'd work on, 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 on people's performance. And then we've got, a, we've got a second potential here. 
to actually put a, a, another building, whether that could just be an ops room. You know, you've got great visibility down uh, from here across all of the water. So, um, when we started, we embarked on this probably November time last year. Um, we ran a number of consultations. One with our neighbours. We've got uh, we've got quite a few neighbours on this on this northern edge. Um, and secondly, with the with the council, um, both Forest of Dean County Council and Gloucestershire County Council. So we brought them along this entire journey, um, and and so far, I think it's it's fair to say they're supportive of it. Um, we've got all the relevant consultants lined up in terms of ecology, highways, power, water, um, and, and these guys are sort of on team now because we will, I would expect us to see questions, um, you know, sort of come back as with, any, as with any planning. There was talk about this being turned into landfill. You know, you imagine the heavy, the heavy vehicles, if it had been turned into a... And, and you imagine the, 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 um, the ecological impact as well. We're very sensitive to the ecological um, aspect of it. We're, we're sensitive to highways, and, and people live here. You know, so it's really important we sort of fit into that. And, and in terms of, of planning for our buildings as well, we've been very, very sympathetic in terms of we're in the Forest of Dean. Um, there's a lot of farms around here, so when you start looking at shapes and sizes of buildings, you actually start to take that into account thinking about what it looks like around the rest of it. And, and I think the other piece then is, is tying it in um, with the, the sort of the current um, fauna and flora out there. Our whole existence is what can we do for the oceans, the environment. So, you know, we're not looking to do everything for the oceans and, you know, do something completely different on, on land. Um, so we, we have been sympathetic as, as we've moved through um, through this and ecologically you know we, we, we know we've got quite a diverse um, sort of set of animals here longer term and, and I would see this happening over decades um, if you think about all the tree lines you think of the bushes etc here what we would look to do is to strip out the non-native and replant with native to Forest of Dean so you know it, it, it brings it back to to, to what it was, because if you, you, know, you think about the buddleia and that that's growing out there, it's just an invasive species. Um, so, so that kind of covers the, the sort of top side, if you like. When we go onto the water, and you'll, you'll get a, a good idea of this when we, when we go down, we, we, we've, um, we've deployed 40, number 40, 40-ton uh, 40 concrete pontoons. So we've used those pontoons to, um, to build out things like sub-island, things like a dive island, a quayside. So, so we're in the, in the process of kind of configuring those at, at the moment. Um, and, and we're going uh, to have a little quayside down here. In this area over here, we're putting, we've, we've got a, a gantry crane that is actually being built at the moment. Um, and, and that'll give us a, a three-ton lift capacity. Uh, capability and that three tons will allow us to take quads up and down, take people's diving kit up and down, save you sort of lugging it up and down the uh, the hacky staircase at the moment. So the pontoons movable? Yes, they, the yes they are um, and you have the ability to, to, to raft them as well. 
the interesting thing is um, they use these particular pontoons, these concrete pontoons. They're 20 meters long and three meters wide. Um, they use them in the ocean. So putting them on a body of water like that, when you step onto them, it's no different to sort of standing where you are now. They are rock solid. Um, so we're using these to, to sort of build out capability on, on the water. And in June, in June of this year, we'll see our first delivery of um, walk-to-work pontoons. So we will link these, these, these uh, concrete pontoons up with, with sort of a pontoon that's two meters wide and 10 meters long, um, aluminum pontoons. And so we'll be able to sort of build walkways um, between all of, the, you know, all of the facilities we have down there. The last thing I want to mention is um, the rocks. It's, it's a quarry, you know, so one of the important things for us is how do, we keep, how do we keep it safe? So there are certain areas we've netted because we're, as human beings, we're very close to those surfaces. There are areas on the water, and you'll see this very, very uh, clearly when you go down. We've got a, a 10-metre exclusion zone, um, and we've run buoys down the eastern and western sides of it. Uh, we worked with a, a geology um, company, and they ran some, they ran some uh, calculations that should a rock fall, what is, the, what is the trajectory of that, where does it land? And they, they figured out the, first, the furthest they would bounce out is five metres from the rock face. Um, and therefore, we sort of doubled that and said, right, we'll put a safety factor in there. So we've got 10 metres down east, west, and it's going in around the northern edge as well. Up on the south, because we are so close to the rock face, that's all been netted. Um, so when rocks do come down, they sort of sit behind behind a net. What happened to all the, are they all still there? Or like, um, so, like the plant fuselage and the... Uh... The answer to that is yes. Right. Um, so what, what we had to do was we, um, you, you've obviously dived. Yes. This, so the whole road runs all the way around, right? Yes. Um, what we did was we lifted all of them and put them on the whole road underwater. So they are there. There were, a, there were a few items that didn't, didn't belong to us, um, and they were... <laughs> we haven't seen those yet. We'll be dragging those out. <laughs> um, so, a lot, yeah, the majority of those uh, um, uh, attractions, thank you. That, that was the word I was looking for, for Gemma. Those attractions are still kicking around down there. Um, so they're just staying there because it's too much to bring them out? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether you'd want to bring them out. You know, there they, they could, they could be some value around them. Yeah, potential usage. Yeah. For our dive team to train on um, at any level, from basically once we've got a sentinel in there, you could basically use this simulated um, research sites yeah. from a sentinel excursion, but equally with our commercial team, they could be used for commercial training. So to take something like the original diving bell, which is a big object, do a controlled, safe moving of it, as mm. a training exercise, so the, the main artefacts are all of great value to us. Yeah. 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 So I think that sort of covers our top side. Thanks, Chris, for giving us that talk, and uh, it's good to hear, you know, the future plans, mm, and really. also really good to hear about, you know, uh, the landscape and as well, it, you know, that this is going to be 
you know, all part and parcel. Caring for the environment. Yeah, exactly. And especially for local residents as well. It's good to know that, you know, this site is going to be protected mm. and, uh, you know, nature is all going to be encouraged. They're all going to be at one together. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be some blot on the landscape here. It's oh. going to be something really nice and for the local environment to be proud of. Yes, yeah, and they're putting back, you know, getting rid of invasive species. I can't believe, and... you know, that was going to be... You know, one of the options if they if deep hadn't got involved Absolutely. one of the options could have been uh, landfill. landfill can you imagine that yeah. have been horrendous yeah so. so it's probably a bit of an eye-opener for um, uh, yeah listeners. I, you know so uh, that was a bit of a surprise so. yeah so after chris spoke to us we went down onto the water side down the steps yeah. and went down onto these concrete pontoons which and didn't move at all <laughs> super solid yeah and they had um there was a cover over there where the subs will sit. I was jumping up and down to see if I could get the, <laughs> get the pontoons to No talk. movement? No. No, 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 I can confirm, definitely no movement. <laughs> and we had perfect weather. It was lovely and still. The that water, water was, was glassy. Like, it was, yeah. you know, it was like a mirror. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really good just to get a feel for how it's going to develop. They've got a building on there, haven't they? You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, um, if you can imagine... They were like shipping containers type shipping of things. Shipping containers. But also had like a garage sort of uh, roofed area. Yeah, plastic yeah. roofed garage area with winches and all sorts yeah. of stuff, so they can work on subs. Um, you know, when they got get them on mm. shore. Yeah, and really interesting being down on the water, looking up at the quarry cliff sides yeah. that had been netted. Yeah. Um, so we saw that, and then we went back up the steps and. Uh, had another sort of debrief, got rid of our PPE and safety yeah, shoes. Yeah, got rid of that, didn't we? And, and uh, then travelled back over to uh, the deep port side again. Yeah, back in Bristol. So uh, did that and uh, it was all good. So this is that next bit. Yes, and we're going to meet a sub-pilot now. Barry. Barry. <laughs> so, yeah, listen to our next little bit where we will know more about the subs. It, tell me what this is. <laughs> so this is a Triton 3K3 submarine, uh, hull number six in the series. Um, we also have hull number seven next to it, but um, yeah, it is a submersible. Could carry three passengers down to thousand meters or three thousand three hundred feet. Wow, that's a long way. Yeah, it's a it's a very long way. Very dark down there. So you're a sub pilot yourself. So how? deep have you been in a I've been maximum depth in one of these so I've done thousand meter dive um, but majoritively it's it's never really that deep when you go that deep there's not a whole lot to see it's just a, a pretty cool experience yeah um, but a lot of it is sort of up to around 500 meters is, is the majority of our, yeah. our dives yeah so tell us about the weighting and the buoyancy so the sub itself weighs somewhere around nine tons um, give or take nine tons yeah um we have around 300 or 330 kilos of maneuverable weights at the front here um so depending on you know passengers and steps and even uh, density of the water we add and remove the weights um just so we stay neutrally buoyant when we're in the water um so do you always have a maximum of so it's a maximum of three people yeah, so pilot plus two passengers, um, and it's it gets pretty tight in there, but it's it's a it's comfortable for a while. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, you can see on the front here we've got the the manipulator arm, um, so that's used for taking all of the samples and things. Um, and if there's anything cool that you want to pick up down there. 
When you take samples, can you then bring them into the sphere? No, but we do have, it's kind of a bolt-on attachment um, just on the side of the housing there. There's like a big basket that goes on and then you kind of collect your samples and place them in the basket. Okay. Um, depending on, they're very sort of adaptable subs actually. Um, you can have a vast array of different sensors and cameras and things mounted to the front. So depending on the type of research being conducted, you can have, we have sort of laser measuring devices, there's different cameras for recording and there's, there's a lot of variation. And speed? Speed, she reaches a sort of grand speed of about three knots. So right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the most, uh, it's not the quickest of vehicles, but um, it is pretty cool when you're under. Yeah. So it's yeah. very condition dependent on when you can, where you can dive as well. Mm. Uh, and to get in it, you get through the port. Yeah, so we have uh, the hatch at the top of the sphere there. Um, and you sort of climb up onto the, the back and go around and have a look at the back there in a minute. You sort of, there's some steps leading out the back and you sort of lower yourself in the step of the, in the center there, center helm. And power, how is it powered? So power wise, we have two large battery banks in these sort of pods here on the undersides, um, consisting of 15 batteries each size, each side, sorry. Um, so that's 12 12 volt batteries and three eight volt batteries combining on port and starboard side, giving you a total of 288 volts DC high voltage and 24 volts low voltage systems. Great. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so if you want, we can sort of work our way around the back. Yep, and yep, yep. They look quite small from the front. Well, not, and then when you come around the back, they are yeah, big, aren't they? Yeah, this is where all the machinery is. Yeah. So the front is just like the viewing platform effectively, and this is where all the hardware is. Yeah. So it's, Pretty cool. So how old are these? Are they quite new? These ones here, I had a very good question. I don't know the answer to that one on these ones. I think they're probably about, they're probably around five years old. Uh, um, maybe not quite that old, but yeah. So like a car, it's miles. Do you just clock up hours on? Exactly. It's usually either time-based or sort of hour-based. Mm. Some of it's even dive-based as well. After each dive, you have a set amount of maintenance to do. What's the most amazing place you've flown your sub? It's a tough question. Just the business area. Um, some of the best places have been South Pacific, sort of South Pacific Islands and all around there. Yeah. There's some pretty spectacular places. This is the business end then, the GCS. <laughs> <laughs> this is certainly the business end. So out of the back here, we have some additional buoyancy sort of hidden up in the wings here. These, um, we have, this is the EJB, which is the external junction box, the electrical junction box. Um, and on the other side here is the VBT, the variable, variable ballast tank. So that fills up with water and... So that's the intake for it there. So basically it's just the atmospheric pressure when you're under the water is enough to, to force water on the into the tank. And then when you want to pump it out, there is an internal pump and you literally just pump out the water until you're sort of, uh, well, where you want to be, either going up or ascending or descending would be the words. Cool. Um, you have... On the underside here, there's six very large um, compressed air tanks. So those are, oh now I have to remember. They're those green things. So the green ones, these two, are the oxygen tanks. And all the 
Oh, six I see. there yeah. and these two black ones. These are main just compressed air tanks. So the oxygen is used for the atmosphere inside the sphere. So you just sort of gently bleed in O2 uh, as you're breathing basically. It works on a, a scrubber system. So it scrubs out some of the carbon dioxide that you exhale and then you just um, tweak in a little bit of oxygen just to maintain the, the oxygen levels inside the sphere. And all of the air basically is just to, to bring yourself to the surface as buoyancy. So there's, wow. there's a lot of air for that. Um, they actually fill up the inside of these tanks. So the whole sort of exterior shell is hollow. And that's where all of your buoyancy comes from um, for rest air. So when you dive, there's some little vents on top. When you're on the surface, you open those vents. That lets the air out yeah. of those tanks and, and fills down. them with water. And you just go down. And when you're under, you close them off. When you want to come back up, you literally just fill those with air again and it'll come up. And how long would a flight be? A flight could realistically be anywhere up to around about 12 hours. Um, it normally depends on your high voltage consumption, big consumers being the lights and thrusters. Mm. Um, also dependent on your scrubber and O2 levels and everything. But you could make it up to about 12 hours. Um, life support systems inside can run for around 100 hours. So. If you did get plopped on the bottom, it'll <laughs> be alright for a bit. You've got a, you've got a hundred hours. Great. Okay. Um, that's... What else have we got down the back? So these are the back end of the battery pods, basically. We actually have one of them off at the minute, um, just for some work. But so all of the there's 15 batteries inside here. These cables run up to the inside of the electrical bottle, and that's where all of the electrical systems happen. Um, there's also another one similar inside the sphere. But that's all the low voltage systems. Uh, Great. That's about all we have on the back yeah. here. Can we look, look inside one? Uh, of course. Yeah. So what we'll do is if we go back around the front, we can climb up the ladder and uh, into Perfect. number okay. seven. Yep. Yeah. So this is Barry. He's, he's deep sub lead. He's, he's the man who's currently in Okay, so we'll do a bit quick interview with you, shall yes, we? Yeah. Yeah, is yeah. that all right? Stay away, Al. Right, Pete, you recording? Yeah, Wait, yeah. hang on a minute. Wait, very useful. We're from the Big Scuba podcast, okay. so our interviews and videoing and pictures today are going to go on social media and we're going to create a podcast today that will go out to 140 countries. So it's trying to make people aware of what's happening at the old end at really and yeah, yeah and the future and this amazing thing that you're doing here. Oh, no, no, that's cool. Yeah, so but obviously only say what you can can say. How much do you want how long do you want? Oh it's only we'll just do a quick chat yeah, about what, yeah, yeah, what yeah. your yeah. what your role is here, cool. uh, what your history is and right. yeah, and then we'll cool. having a tour of the sub I think. Have you just been inside the sub? Not yet. Not yet. We, no. we just did front, back, and now we're, we're, we're making our way inside. Hang on a minute. Are you going to hear the put translations? <laughs> <laughs> for subtitles. What are they yeah. trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Scottish, it's Barry. That is like a mumble. No, I'm sure. I can't wait. Right, okay, so we do a quick interview then? Yeah, okay. You read? Yeah, you're on camera. Sure. You, yep. Right. Okay. So your name is Barry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm looking after the subs here at Deep. Okay. Uh, 
I was with oil and gas for 20 odd years, doing ROVs. And then I got a, a phone call off my, my friend who was a captain in a super yacht, saying, do you want to come and look after our sub? Uh, and it was one of the similar subs of what we're looking at just today, like the TKT. These ones are six and seven. I looked after number three, an earlier one. So I looked after that for about seven years. And that was a privately owned one. And uh, we'd done a few research trips, but it was mainly just uh, just for the family's use, just going down and showing them some amazing features and stuff like uh, yeah. Uh, Do you actually fly the subs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've only had, uh, since I've been with Deep, I've been in the Red when we've done a mission in the Maldives. Uh, the Mal Everybody knows where the Maldives diving is. Eh? And uh, that was with the Necton uh, mission. And then after that, we went down to Chaco's and there's a company called Rev Ocean. I don't know if you're aware of Rev Ocean. Rev Ocean and our research firm that have started up. And we went down to the Chaco's. Chaco's is a... Chagos is islands in between the Mauritius and the Maldives. Okay. Yeah. And it's got the biggest atoll in the world, in Maldives. But uh, there's uh, there's no inhabitants right now, eh? Uh, so basically we were going down there and it's like, there's loads of birds, there's no rats in the islands, there's loads of birds. So it's some amazing things. Like I saw a whale shark there for my first whale shark. So like, uh, in the Maldives we saw like hammerheads, like scallop hammerheads, not just like great hammerheads that are pretty, like no common, like but scallop hammerheads. And then we went to Chagos, we saw whale sharks and we saw some treasure sharks and all stuff like that. All in the sub. All in the sub, aye, aye. So like 500 metres in the red one, we, were, uh, we saw a tiger shark come in and had a wee look at us. Like, uh, it's, it's not but I say to people like uh, I've, I've seen like World War Two wrecks and stuff with guns pointing up with coral look coming out out the guns. So it actually looks like there's like shells coming out of them. Mm. But for me, the biggest joy is no actually seeing like the stuff outside the sub. It's actually seeing the what happens inside the sub, like the the two passengers. Mm. For me, I'm actually I know I've done my job right if they're actually in tears and at some points like yeah, because like you can put the stereo on in there and you can put, if you play the right song at the right time, there's people like we've had manta rays flying around us and we've had Lacme playing, and you can see these Amazing. people. I was like, do you want to listen to that again? They'll go, oh yeah, you know what I mean. So and for me, for me that's like and like you'll see sharks and whales and like rays and stuff and it's really really cool like eh? and you, when you come out you're like best ever but it's actually seeing their express the, mm. the the passengers expressions that's for me that's the we big thing we interviewed John Chatterton a while back and John Chatterton told us that he listened to Led Zeppelin right. when you went to see Titanic right yeah, and, that, uh, that's, that would have been full on like yeah. I, no I've got a wee bit some my playlists are a wee bit more tranquil like eh? a wee bit gentler <laughs> like eh? but no I, yeah it's I'm completely like an annoyed by I mean, and I don't tell you trying to tell people what my job title is. Eh? When you're standing in the pub and they go, so what do you do? You're like, I work offshore, like and that. So what do you? I, I just work on a boat. I'm not that guy standing up. Like, yeah, I'm a submarine <laughs> pilot, like yeah, because there is only ten of these subs and there's only a few pilots aboard. And there's it's not that there's. I know about four or five Scottish guys that actually fly them, like yeah. So mm. so the industry is actually a really small industry, yeah. but. It's that thing, man. Like, I just don't, I pinch myself every day. Like yeah, I can't believe I'm doing this. Eh? So they're good for a thousand meters, eh? Yeah. So incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like a lot of people get in it and they only want to stay like a hundred meters, like uh, uh, below a hundred meters and above a hundred meters because like that's all the pretty stuff is and stuff. Like eh? and that's all the stuff they've seen in like on Google and and magazines and that and that mm. and that's what they're wanting to see. And if you go to a thousand meters, 
you might spend like three, four hours and it's completely dark, but you you might only see one thing. But that thing, they're going to, like the passengers say, what's that? And you're like, but I don't know, I've never seen that before. And you take photographs, you come up and you send it to scientists who's like, what's this? They're like, we've never seen this before either. So you're like, when you see something, it's like, oh my God type things like, uh, and that's really cool. And uh, after about 300 metres, it's a pure darkness, like yeah, like in some some places, like off these coast of America, and that is 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 dark before that. It's only dark before like eh, after fifty meters, like yeah. yeah. Uh, but and uh, and like when you're in tropical areas, like after three hundred meters, it's pretty dark. But then you get yeah, then you get a uh, bioluminescence. Sorry, no, no, it's cool. Okay. Uh, and so after three hundred meters. It's, it's completely dark, but you get bioluminescence, and it's not like the bioluminescence that you'll see on the shore. Like next, Barry is going to take us up the stairs, and we're going to get inside the submarine for a tour of the inside. Underwater okay. comms. Right, have you used underwater comms before? We've got full face masks. Full face masks, eh? So that I think that's what thirty-one and thirty-three kilohertz or something like that, eh? That's what sorry. On our full face masks. Underwater comms. comms. I don't know what the... The yeah, through water comms. Got no, no idea. Right, where they just put a wee, they put a wee rubber thing in the water like that, yeah. and then you can talk to the surface. Uh, oh, no, well, just between us. That's just between you, but yeah. you yeah. can talk between us, right? Yeah. So that'll probably be 31 kilohertz, eh? That's 27 and that's 10. This is good for about five, 600 metres. We can talk to the surface exactly the way you are talking full face masks. With no wire. Or anything? No wire. No. Just mate. the same. Just the, like when you're talking to each other, like, that's not got a wire on it. Eh? Yeah. You're just it's just like a, a transducer. Eh? Yeah. It's piezoelectric. It's just like it's like when you push that electric lighter and you push the quartz, you'll get a thing. Yeah. It's just piezoelectric. It's, it's simple. It's like it's amazing bits of technology, but it's really simple. And, yeah. Crazy. So twenty-seven kilohertz, ten kilohertz. Eh? That's good for a thousand meters. That's that's good for over a thousand meters. Eh? It's just not you can talk a kilometre away underwater. Um, eh, I tried to update it a few years ago and I started talking to people and they're like, they're like yeah, yeah, we can get under underwater communications. How far do you want to go? It's like a thousand metres. They're like, oh, we can do, we can do much more than that. It says, oh, we only have to go a thousand metres deep. They're like, oh no, we can't do that deep. We can do like a couple of thousand metres that way. Like, but not so, down. But no down, like, <laughs> it's just, it's the technology and the pressure difference like that. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to get into the sub, eh? Okay. Right, so, through the hatch, as you say, if you can see, if you reach over, you can see where I'm standing. Yep. That's, that's designed for our waist, okay? So, what I'll do is I'll climb on the side, and then we'll get one of these, whoever you want, whatever ones, and they can jump in the pilot seat. Yep. If that's okay, right? So, when the one in the side is a wee bit more trickier, but the one in the pilot seat, just stand on that and then two feet on the seat and then two feet the other side of that pump and then the same with this side, two feet on the seat, it's not a problem yep. again. How thick is this glass? If you reach across the side and just take your finger and put it on the sphere, please. No, no, the other side out, and external. Out. Right. This is the only time you'll ever be allowed to touch the sphere, by the way. Right, Gemma, if you touch his finger... Oh my God! Right, that's crazy. That's six inches thick, eh? Is it? Yeah, wow. and when and when you go deeper, it actually shrinks. We actually lose it displace. It loses sixty kilograms of displacement, like as it goes deeper a thousand meters. Right, Mark. If you you never saw us out again, they're going to turn around and put your legs dangling in the sphere, okay. please. 
No, don't grab that, don't grab that, Mark. Yeah. Right, just grab the sides of the yeah. frame, please, eh? Right, and then just dangle your feet in. It's full on yoga, eh? Right, two <laughs> feet here, please. That's it, and, and then and then two feet on the leather seat of the back, you please. Hey, that's it. What did his name? What's his Ian. Name? <laughs> Sorry, <man>. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So I've been called worse. <laughs> two feet either side here, please. Eh? It's just the captain's chair, then. That's the pilot's wow. chair, right? Oh, my goodness. Right, that that the comms. So, in the submarine, eh? I tell everybody this is luxuries. All the electronics are luxuries. For if you if you want to get to the bottom of the ocean, and then come back up, you don't need any of these things. Eh? It's all luxuries. Right. The other side are all the important stuff. Like for it, when you get down to the bottom and you want to drive about, the thrusters. That's okay. a luxury. Is she control with this? The control with that, like yeah. yeah. But as I say, that's a luxury. Eh? For you actually driving about, you can go to the bottom and come back up to the surface without using the thrusters. Okay. okay. Right. And then there's like we've got altimeters, we've got GPS, we've got underwater GPS. Let's say with transponders. Eh, what else we've got in here? We've got the manipulator. We can recover stuff from the seabed using manipulator. It's all luxuries, eh? If we want to get back to the surface, the other side where your hand is, this is for me. This is important stuff, eh? Like all the black valves are air, and when I say air, and especially to scuba divers, they're immediately thinking, right? How many how many minutes have I got left? It's not that at all. The air is to fill up the big yellow tanks on the side, and that makes it stable and. There's a, I don't know if you, we've spoke about the, the variable ballast tank at the back. Yes, you yes. showed us it fills up with the water. It fills up with the water. So the, the variable ballast tank, it's like your B, is it BSD, mm. where, uh, where you actually put a wee bit of air in it and it slows you down like air brakes. Yeah. Eh? That works the same way. We pump out, we pump yeah. out fluid and then we get What's the regulator for? That will get to there. So the air, so the air is to fill up the tank. So if that variable ballast tank fails at a thousand metres, I don't know if he showed you the two tanks at the back. The green ones? No, that's the oxygen, the black ones. There's two tanks. And, and then the ones on the six the of ones, them. The six of them. Yeah. So there's eight tanks of air. Like, so at a thousand metres, it's going to take 40,000 litres to fill these the tanks up. Like, uh, wow. Uh, and I've actually only had to use it once before. Like We've we done some maintenance to the sub. And uh, we're dropping down. We're going down to a thousand metre dive. It's like an MOT you've got to do every year. Yeah. So we're dropping down to a thousand metres. And he switched on the pump, it didn't work. And there's 800 metres that switched on, it didn't work. 800 metres, didn't work. And so we start filling up the tank. So you start using the two at the back first. Oh, that's running out. So I've opened this valve here, the bank isolate. And that's just allows it, allows us to get the bottles underneath and, and into the tanks. Eh? And the guy sitting here was like, whoa, whoa you can't touch that, it's an emergency. And the guy sits there like, that, this is an emergency, I'm like, yeah, this is an emergency. So we've actually used the air there. And so, but we actually stopped about 980 metres and we're all stable, everything's good. We're like, right, let's go back up, we'll fix the problem with the pump. We came back up, fixed the problem with the pump and then dropped back down. So basically it was at 1,918 metres and so I got nearly 2,000 metres. So this gets right, you have to drop down to 1,000 metres to check yeah. it works. Well, if you're doing an MOT, <laughs> if you're doing an MOT, like if you're doing an MOT, yeah, when you do an MOT on a car, you're not down at a thousand meters. No, no, definitely. But if you if and you can't test your brakes, how do you test your brakes? Like, yeah, it's the same. Like, yeah, but, but it's the same. It's this thing like the that uh, the 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 full ocean 
sub A. Yeah. You've got to test that. Like, yeah. yeah. There's always going to be some person to test it. Like. Yeah. But the thing is, is as I say, is that you've got your VBT, that's your primary way to actually adjust your, your depth. Right. Because like, if, if you want to go that. deeper, if <laughs> you want to go deeper, it's like you dump some air. Yeah, yeah. So you, you take on a wee bit more water, and if you want to go lighter, so if that fails, then you've got the backup. Yeah. That's putting air in there. If that fails, there's a there's a you can see the pumping machine the lights there. Yeah. Right, we can it's pump off that handbrake there. Eh? It's not a handbrake. It's actually a pump. It's a hydraulic <laughs> pump. Can't, eh? You can't do handbrake. <laughs> <too. It does. laughs> you, you can drift round the corner and stuff it's like that. Like eh? so right. Is that where you pump? You can pump off the battery pods, eh? And we can eject the battery pods, we can eject oh, the manipulator okay. and we can eject the but that's a get out of jail card. Because like we can and we can put air we can come up and we can always use the uh, like an air compressor, same as your scuba dive, to fill up the air tanks, eh? But we can't just go into Tesco's and buy another battery no, pod, no. like eh? So that's like your get out of jail card and that's like the last like last thing like And that eh? would take you up to surface. Or, or you'll just just no, okay. there's no stopping you like uh, yeah. so th and that's the thing like uh, that, that you'd be a bit messed up by the time you hit the surface nah because it's actually designed to go uh, I'll reach a terminal so velocity no I won't go that I'll just go straight up oh, but right. I'll reach a terminal velocity and I won't go any faster oh, like, really? uh, and, and this is designed the sphere is uh, it, it looks it looks really fragile it is fragile but for, it's really soft so it won't keep increasing speed I know I'll get to a certain speed and then I'll just reach terminal velocity. Same as like Does when you're at school. How deep you are? No, it's the it's same the as same. like when you're at school when you dropped a marble into the glycerine and yeah. then the water. It just re reached a certain velocity and it never went any faster. Yeah, I don't really do terminal really? velocity. <laughs> it's the same as yourself though. If you if basically if you start plummeting down, yeah, you actually just get you, you'll get what's called terminal velocity. It's like skydiving. Yeah. Skydiving, right? Yeah. You'll get yeah. to a certain limit and you won't go any faster. And these yeah. things are. Well, yeah, you don't. When you jumped out of the plane, you didn't go. Ah, yeah. Got to a speed. You got to yeah, a speed. I'm not crazy enough to do. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> right, but so the sphere, as we mentioned before, actually shrinks and expands. Yeah. So as that comes up and it's actually designed to actually expand, is the, the, the fastest. I can't remember who it was. It was something on telly. Uh, I don't know about James Cameron. Right. His one of or some his sub was leaking. And then at, when when they got to about four or five hundred meters, the leak, uh, and they knew it leaked, the leak then stopped because it got to a certain pressure. And you think everyone's squashing like uh, yeah, like the sphere as I say, the sphere's shrinking all the time as you drop down it, eh? and the seats and all this frame is actually sitting on the acrylic, so this is all moving. So as you go down, you get you do hear it, you, you hear it creaking like oh, yeah. so it's just oh, oh. he's moving on it like eh but as that comes down everything's shrinking and getting it out yeah. and it's like with the lights you'll get like a ground fault in the light sometimes and at depth sometimes that that fault will disappear what do we get so what what comes on the screen here on the screen uh, i'm just thinking uh, we'll get it up uh, right so as i said this is all luxury this is like the greatest luxury you've got eh because we could we could fly the submarine. We've got PLC bypasses. We've got thruster enabled. We've got bypasses so that we can actually control the sub without needing this. Oh wow! Right, but uh, along along the sides here we've got uh, is that carbon O2, carbon mm -hmm. CO2. Yeah. So there's the monitors there. Eh? So so we've got their sensors. So we've got a whole bank of sensors and stuff here, like. Uh, uh, we've got the doing the dive. 
we've got the depth and the depth is the as you drop down but then we've got the, the altimeter and the altimeter is actually how far off you're off the seabed so what happens is that you when you leave the surface you'll have a reading of say 200 meters here but then when you're halfway you'll have 100 here and 100 there eh? so you actually will get it'll go like that but you're actually sitting on top of the altimeter the, it's, a, it's a big huge well, thing it would be really cool as a head up display on, on there Yes. Telling you the depth. I know, but if it's if it's all there, you're not going to see anything. But if, that, if it's there, if it's there, that'd be really cool. But then when you it's actually want to see a fish, giving you depth. When you want to see a fish, then it's going to. And then you could have AI built into it that identifies certain the fish, fish, the fish yeah. and go. This is because as a tourist, then yeah. you can say, "Hey, yeah, certain shark." There we go, man. <laughs> we found a niche. Yes. So when you're going descending, yeah. do you feel the change in pressure? Do no. people no. nothing at all? No. So it keeps no. the same amount. Uh, if you switch the lights off, it doesn't matter if you're at hundred meters. If it's dark, it doesn't matter if you're hundred meters, five hundred meters, no. thousand meters. You, you just like with the, and it's only when you switch the lights on that it's like when you you know when you're driving in fog or like in snow and it's that stuff coming towards yes. you it's yeah. basically that when you're dropping down and then the same as like when when you're dropping down in your scuba and you put a wee bit of air in that stuff you can actually notice it doesn't go as and you're like oh hang on that's slowing down it's the same with this you've got to put a light on to see it we've not got any indication how fast we're dropping yeah. down Aye. so do you scuba dive I've done some scuba then. I, yeah. I was at Plymouth University right. and I've done my HSE Part 4 course like, uh, and I've not done much scuba diving since then. I've done some dives in the, what's the last time? Was it Fiji or something? It was the last dive and yeah. I, I was just incredible. It like, is better. Uh, uh, for me, the scuba diving, it's that whole thing where you're concentrating your breathing. Mm. That, that whole like, I've actually, I went to my local scuba diving club and I sat for an hour in a swimming pool just facing the bottom of and like after an hour they came and tapped me and said, come out here, you know, both of us, oh, I'm just concentrating and breathing that. And I came out, I was the mellowest, like, I didn't have to go do yoga that night because it was so, <laughs> uh, it was so cool, like, okay, so, I, 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 it, the is just amazing, like, and we've spoken about, like, some of the things we've seen, but the two of them, it's like, it's like comparing skiing and snowboarding, eh? Mm. Skiers think they're, they're his best, snowboarders think they're best, but it's actually just getting in the water, it's just the experience of water, encouraging, that's a barometer, so as the pressure just increases, eh? Oh. Aye. So, eh, so if you've got an, an air leak, that pressure will increase, so it's just another way making sure there's any problems. So you've got an analogue back sort of check Aye. and the digital check. Aye. That's good, yeah. So it's the same with the air, like, uh, and the oxygen. So you've got your oxygen there, eh? So the air here, but the oxygen's just uh, bled in at metabolic rate. And you just, at 1.5, that's half a litre uh, uh, per and minute LPM? per person, eh? Aye. What's LPM air? Uh, litres per minute. Okay. So if you're sitting down there, and I spoke to Mark, I says, Mark, you must have done some boring dives. He went, yeah, I've actually fell asleep one dive before, like, eh? <laughs> So you must have done a couple of boring dives yourself, or like I know in the Plymouth Sound, like uh, and like uh, that when I done my start my HSC course, you actually get given a scaffolding pole and a hacksaw, and you just like get in there, just saw that through just to get the minutes in, like yeah, uh, if this was a boring dive, there was nothing much to see, and it's mm. like really bad. 
I would have to adjust the oxygen down because we'd be using the highest oxygen. But then if we're on a big shipwreck, there's hammerhead sharks coming in and I've got the music playing and we're having a party, I've got to adjust <laughs> the oxygen, I've got to like full on you and you just constantly adjust it. This is a, a, a analog depth gauge as well. Depth gauge is here. You can see that's good for eleven hundred meters. You've yeah. got another one on your other side. Ooh. And then we've got the pressure juice so that'll be red in here like uh, so you've got backup of the backup. Yeah, so if one fails, we can continue to dive. If two fails, then that's it. We'll just like call the diver. Is there like a big red button that says cancel everything? We're going up. That is, it's the eject button. That's the eject seat. Like, uh, no. so if the passenger sit, sitting here, eh, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I've seen that fish before. I've been this dive. I've done that dive. We can actually push that button, and it'll just eject right out the submarine. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. No, like, yeah. uh, no, that's like uh, for eject. No. To get to the surface, we're coming to the surface fast, it's the same, we'll just put you in the tanks and we'll just come yeah. up fast and okay. back. So in terms of deep, your role here, eventually you'll be in NDAC piloting these? I've done three dives in NDAC, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, deep, what is it, we, we, we move at pace or we change with pace, eh? uh -huh. so we, we constantly, like, as we evolve, we constantly have to change. Like so the, the idea was we, we start teaching people at, at, at the old NDAC thing and then it was like, no, we're gonna send the subs off to the Lapshack Weed. The Lapshack Weed Islands are just above the Maldives. Uh, and then it's like, no, that's that's cancelled, we're gonna and right now we're like, are we gonna go back and start using NDAC again or are we gonna see another mm -hmm. mission and stuff? Eh? So it's just the same as yourself. Like you'll be doing one podcast with somebody else, and then the next week, like, oh no, we're going to go and do an yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah. The things are constantly. It's one of the good things about working with deep. It's just that every and the amount of the, the people that's working here too. Like yeah. if you go up the stairs, all these engineers, it's like being in a room full of you know the guy out of the matrix that just see ones and zeros. Yeah. There's a full room, full room of them. Like yeah. and that thing too is a. Normally when you meet a genius and you start talking to them, you must have met them yourself, like scuba diving guys that you think they're the best scuba diving in the world and you're just like, oh, oh you did, didn't you? <laughs> but, but you know, but you know that, that, that one that they just, they, they, they think they're that great, they just feel their own self-importance. <laughs> But the, but the guys up the, the guys up here, they're, they're full on some of the best engineers in the whole world, and they're working for us. And not one of them's got an ego like no, uh, everybody's really mellow. Like yeah, it's so cool. Like yeah, aye. So yeah. Uh, the best Sorry. the best scuba diver in the world. <laughs> well, that's been amazing, hasn't it? Yeah. Awesome. Never sat in a submarine. No, that's a first today. Yeah. Yeah, love to. So I can't imagine people being rich enough to have one of these. Uh, oh, they, they are about. They are about. So the guy I used to work for, a really, really nice guy, really mm -hmm. compassionate. He'd always be like, "Thanks for very much. I really enjoyed that." That's amazing. And wouldn't it just be like, you know, when you you watch these TV shows with rich people, and it's just like, and you're just like, "Oh my God!" As you get rich, you just turn into an idiot. No man, Not this guy. Treat. No, and it's no. This guy was so cool. Like, uh, and then you just go down for dives. And his wife was actually more in than him. Like, uh, his wife would just come in. She like we've been sort of dumb octopus. She was crying and stuff. Like, uh, mm. aye, dumb octopuses are so. You, like when they you actually awesome, go, when you them. Google them and when you watch, we watch stuff, the lighting doesn't actually show how you like. So when you see it for real, like it's just incredible. Like, uh, I've only seen one in the wild, and that was on the th uh, deck of the Thistle. Oh, right, that was amazing. Right. I could have. Could have just sat there all day just watching this octopus. Aye, Amazing. It's just incredible. Well, it's another world, isn't it? It's just, Aye. Yeah. yeah. 
So, reboot the, the regulators. Big ones. So, somebody's on that side, right? and we've got one that side, and, and one there's, behind another, you. And there's another one behind you. Oh, yeah, sorry. Right, so, if somebody's had loads of chickpeas the night before, like a spinach <laughs> oh, no. kebab, Right, right. It's, it's, an, it's basically an enclosed place, like, uh, <laughs> no, it's like if there's an emergency, like, because we've got electronics it's always here. It's peas. It's garlic. Uh -huh. Garlic <laughs> yeah, today. Sorry. Yeah. Right, so, but if there's electronics here, eh? so basically these are for emergencies. If if the the, the internal atmosphere is to become uh, contaminated, we put them in and start breathing. But they would actually... Saying, good choice is regular. Apex. Right? Apex. Uh, they would actually... 50 years. Uh, they would actually start, uh, that, but that would increase the pressure here. I mean, yeah, bless you. That would, uh, we don't want that pressure increasing. No, no, no. no. So uh, underneath your seat, you want to be able to see it. Uh, there's a metal. Metal case. The metal case. Yeah. That's like a, it's, it's like a, a mine uh, escape, and it's like a big, massive free breather. Eh? And the first breath you take into that that's going to give you enough oxygen for an hour using that wee breather like uh, wow. so these are only until we can get the escape hoods on it I know you've got a fire extinguisher yes would you use that underwater? water right that's a that's a water mister uh, and we've had loads of discussions that because there was a halotron but when it came to the UK there was a halotron so that just literally gives off a, a vape a, a water, water vapor, vapor eh? right but the halotron's actually got poisonous gas in it, like so it put the fire out, but there's it could really cause you damage, eh? So we we spoke to our class, the like the, the people at the MOTs and we're like, no no, the water mister will do it, like eh. But you got lots of electrics. Well that's the thing, like eh, you've got your fire triangle, eh? And like the first thing you're taught is like if you you've got your fire triangle, heat fuel and oxygen yeah so if you take away any one of that triangle that will dissipate like yeah so yeah. if you take away the heat you just turn off the power yeah so that's the heat away eh? and the first thing you're going to do is switch off the oxygen too eh? yeah so then you're left with the fuel and if you turn your power off do you turn your oxygen off at the same time no this one this one said that's all luxuries this right. is all the this is all the stuff we need and this is all just manually so basically you could cut all the electrics and then you still the have and you still have oxygen underneath here you can see the green valve there yeah that's how i would switch off the oxygen so right. kill the oxygen straight away right so i'd say right guys so if there's a fire say right guys put these on because they're going to because we're going to it's contaminated going to kill the oxygen so no kill the oxygen we're going to yeah. shut the oxygen off yeah so we're breathing this get the escape foods on the oxygen is going to stay off the whole time yeah so then there's no chance they like erupting again yeah. the heat's off but everything else everything we bring in here has got to be a fire retardant like some of the clothes you wear is not going to be fire retardant but it's that whole thing is like we try to maintain yeah. so as you come in as a pilot or as a passenger right. you'd be Asked to not wear certain materials, I guess. Ah, but it's, it's not that strict. Like, yeah, we can go that strict, eh? right? But it's that thing of, like you're not going to be near that much electricity, yeah. Okay. And it's that thing where the buttons are there to switch on. Because obviously, there's a lot of money employed with something like this. What? How much is something like this? Would you say? If you want to buy one, it'll be four, four million dollars. Four million. Right. Right. But then at the back of you, the black bag. Yeah. The black bag. Yes. Uh, inside that black bag, we've got a lithium burn bag. Yeah. So basically, if the, if your battery bank was to was to just like fail right. and start just like going on fire, we've got a, we've got a, like a back. We, we we grab that bag out, chuck the battery, the the lithium battery in there. Like yeah. the same with the lithium battery here. 
because if you think about it, like we've got an acrylic sphere here. So what are you going to do with it? You kind of just chuck it on the bottom of this acrylic sphere and just hope for the best. It's just going to melt a hole in the bottom of it. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so much thought going into this. Isn't it? Oh no, definitely. Like, uh, uh, Amazing. It is, yeah, it is. Because you think, what, this, this, it's a spaceship, and it? It's a spaceship, it's what it is. You know? I, I tell people, it looks James Bond, but it's really a big tractor. And I know, I know you're saying, oh, no, it's no, and you're saying this is amazing. I bet it's like driving a combine harvester, isn't but, it? <laughs> the, but, but the thing is, though, is uh, we're, in, we're in like the deepest, darkest depths in yeah. South Polynesia. If it's complicated, you kind of just take it to the BMW dealer and ask it to just plug it in and actually just say, go and service that for me. It's got to be able to get serviced eh, on like in remote places. Yeah. So everything's got to be simple and it's got to be robust. Yeah. And like one of the one of the things with cars these days is like they're really complicated but they're not very robust. They've got so many things that go wrong with. I've got electric eh, side sliding doors on my van. I was like, that's really cool. I was like, it's just something else to go wrong. Like, yeah. So, yeah. and and this is what I say. This, this, all these valves are really, to me, these are important ones, eh? Because these are all just manual control valves. These will get you back to the surface. These will, like, there's a there's a regulator there to take the high high pressure oxygen to low pressure oxygen. If that was to fail, we can actually shut shut off the regulator supply and then just open up valves and just gently open them just to give us low pressure oxygen. Like, mm. eh? so. There's a light, and then each of these valves are isolation valves. So if that gauge was to fail, we can close every, we can close off that that gauge. We can close off certain, uh, we can close off certain circuits and stuff. Wow. Um, well, I have to say thank you very much for no, giving it's, us this it's opportunity. My pleasure. Like, yeah, awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and learn because it's just amazing. Okay, thanks to Barry for showing us around the submarines and uh, thanks for uh, watching the video so far. We are uh, coming to, towards the end and, uh, well, we want to say thanks to Phil Short for showing us around. Yeah, for hosting us for the whole day. It's been amazing. Thanks to Chris for giving us the guided tour around the campus and that uh, in-depth chat and, um, you know, talking about the future of the site. You know, it's amazing to hear about, you know, they're going to look after the landscaping and things like that and why burn the local environment to look after the ocean exactly. you know they are both equally as important so uh you know one can't do without the other so uh, it's vital and we thank you to all the staff that we met along the way yeah there are loads of people in that warehouse and, and it's amazing that they were thinking about turning that you know the previous owners were thinking about turning that campus that site oh the uh, lake yes site, yeah right? Yeah, so, so. but it was just uh, the positivity of staff in oh, general brilliant. and the motivation was just, yeah, 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 yeah really, really good. Um, what do you call it, makes you, yeah, motivating. Yeah, and, everyone's yeah. motivated and everyone's got that small company going to be going far mentality, you know. And, yeah, um, but it was infectious, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's how it made yeah, you feel yeah. and, and excited for the future and everything this is deep is going to do for the future of the oceans, exploration, human factors involved. It's just, yeah, yeah huge, huge thing. There's a lot of people getting involved and um, I would say to you, you know, if you're not already following them, uh, get to their social media, make sure you are following them. Um, and I think you're going to see some exciting things for the future. Uh, I've seen a recent quote of somebody saying they are NASA of the underwater, and um, I, I, I agree, you know, they are. 
I think you'll be seeing a lot of uh, interesting things come from there. There are so many similarities between underwater activity and the activity that we've already yeah, yeah. Sort of perceived yeah. in, the, in space. We've, you know, we have seen comments. We have seen, we have had feedback, and with, you know, of people sending us DMs, you know, saying, "Oh, when we're going to dive there," and you know, "Are we going to have the site back?" and things like that. And you know, you got to think deeper. You got to think. Uh, you know, the, it's more. It's going to be more than a dive site. You know, and uh, it's going to. You know, is that a good cause? Uh, there's going to be good things happening from it. And we have got some other great dive sites around the UK, around our coastline, um, in our inland sites. Yeah, but You're, ultimately, great. the deep is for everybody's benefit. It is. Uh, you know, so it's going to be for much bigger wider cause it is yeah and so, you've got to look at the bigger picture it is yeah. absolutely yeah. uh lastly we need to say thank you very much to our good friends at narked at 90 who we mentioned at the start uh, beyond technical go to narked at 90.com use our big scuba code big scuba 2024 yep for purchasing any dive equipment uh, they cover recreational equipment as well as lots of um, technical yeah. um, equipment for divers and dive computers as well uh, and they are a service centre as well for your dive computers. Yeah, any dive computers, you've got any problems, give them a call or send them an email, all the, all the contact information is on their website, just go to narcdeck90.com, alright, they've got a brilliant reputation. So, uh, and we uh, are very proud to be partnered with them. Definitely, so that's yeah. Really good. And then we also recommend you to go to our podcast channel, The Big Scuba. Uh, we've done interviews with Phil Short, who was our host at Deep, and Kurt Crack, who's the human performance lead there. So if you go back and listen to their episodes, um, they'll give you some more background to their diving background really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just how you know amazing their background is in terms of phil short he was done like two six. very different divers you know one uh, has got expertise in free diving mm. and uh, if you look up performance free diving you'll find all things about kirk and uh, the different films he's been involved in avatar avatar you know two and um done some amazing work um with James Cameron so uh, you know look him up and obviously and then you've got Phil Short who does some amazing covered, deep dives yeah he's covered so many areas of diving commercial yeah. as well as uh, recreational cave yeah. diving so in these like 6,000 plus dives science, yeah, yeah rebreather work yeah so it's just uh, incredible yeah so uh, look out for them um, but, and we will say thank you for uh, stick with us and for watching this video don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave your comments below and um, and share tell your friends so uh, spread the word yeah thanks for watching now that does wrap up today's episode of the big scuba podcast but if you want to hear more from the podcast make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button depending on what platform you are listening on that way you will never miss an episode from us but if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy what you heard today, we would really appreciate it if you head to the show page to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help us. If you do, please take a screenshot of that review and send it to us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out to say a big thank you. If you have any questions for us 
or anything that has been mentioned in today's episode, be sure to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email. The links are in the show notes. We will get back to you no matter what. If you have made it to this point in the episode, we both want to say a big, big thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.